Section 12 of God and My Neighbour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. God and My Neighbour by Robert Blatchford. Section 12 The Old Testament The Book of Books. Floods of sincere but unmerited adulation have been lavished on the Hebrew Bible. The world has many books of higher moral and literary value. It would be easy to compile, from the words of heretics and infidels, a purer and more elevated moral guide than this book of books. The ethical code of the Old Testament is no longer suitable as the rule of life. The moral and intellectual advance of the human race has left it behind. The historical books of the Old Testament are largely pernicious and often obscene. These books describe, without disapproval, polygamy, slavery, concubinage, lying and deceit, treachery, incest, murder, wars of plunder, wars of conquest, massacre of prisoners of war, massacre of women and of children, cruelty to animals and such immoral, dishonest, shameful, or dastardly deeds as those of Solomon, David, Abraham, Jacob, and Lot. The ethical code of the Old Testament does not teach the sacredness of truth, does not teach religious tolerance, nor humanity, nor human brotherhood, nor peace. Its morality is crude. Much that is noblest in modern thought has no place in the Book of Books. For example, take these words of Herbert Spencer's, quote, Absolute morality is the regulation of conduct in such way that pain shall not be inflicted. End quote. There is nothing so comprehensive, nothing so deep as that in the Bible. That covers all the moralities of the Ten Commandments, and all the ethics of the law, and the prophets in one short sentence, and leaves a handsome surplus over. Note next this from Kant. Quote, what are the aims which are at the same time duties? They are the perfecting of ourselves and the happiness of others. End quote. I do not know a Bible sentence so purely moral as that. And in what part of the Bible shall we find a parallel to the following sentence from an agnostic newspaper? Quote, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of action are helps to the children of men in their search for wisdom. End quote. Tom Paine left Moses and Isaiah centuries behind when he wrote, quote, The world is my country, to do good, my religion. End quote. Robert Ingersoll, another infidel, surpassed Solomon when he said, quote, The object of life is to be happy. The place to be happy is here. The time to be happy is now. The way to be happy is by making others happy. End quote. Which simple sentence contains more wisdom than all the pessimism of the King of Kings? And again, Ingersoll went beyond the sociological conception of the prophets when he wrote, quote, And let us do away forever with the idea that the care of the sick, of the helpless, is a charity. It is not a charity. It is a duty. It is something to be done for our own sakes. 
it is no more a charity than it is to pave or light the streets, no more a charity than it is to have a system of sewers. It is all for the purpose of protecting society and civilizing ourselves. End quote. I will now put together a few sayings of pagans and unbelievers as an example of non-biblical morality. Quote, Truth is the pole star of morality. By it alone can we steer. Can there be a more horrible object in existence than an eloquent man not speaking the truth? Abhor dissimulation. To know the truth and fear to speak it. That is cowardice. One thing here is worth a great deal. To pass thy life in truth and justice, with a benevolent disposition, even to liars and unjust men. He who acts unjustly, acts unjustly to himself, for he makes himself bad. The practice of religion involves, as a first principle, a loving, compassionate heart for all creatures. Religion means self-sacrifice. A loving heart is the great requirement. Not to oppress, not to destroy, not to exalt oneself by treading down others, but to comfort and befriend those in suffering like as a mother at the risk of her life watches over her only child so also let every one cultivate towards all beings a bounteous friendly mind man's great business is to improve his mind what is it to you whether another is guilty or guiltless come friend atone for your own guilt virtue consists in contempt for death why should we cling to this perishable body in the eyes of the wise, the only thing it is good for is to benefit one's fellow creatures. Treat others as you wish them to treat you. Do not return evil for evil. Our deeds, whether good or evil, follow us like shadows. Never will man attain full moral stature until woman is free. Cherish and reverence little children. Let the slave cease, and the master of slaves cease. To conquer your enemy by force increases his resentment. Conquer him by love, and you will have no after-grief. Victory breeds hatred. I look for no recompense, not even to be born in heaven, but seek the benefit of men, to bring back those who have gone astray, to enlighten those living in dismal error, to put away all sources of sorrow and pain in the world. I cannot have pleasure while another grieves, and I have power to help him. End quote. Those who regard the Bible as the book of books, and believe it to be invaluable and indispensable to the world, must have allowed their early associations, or religious sentiment, to mislead them. Carlyle is more moral than Jeremiah. Ruskin is superior to Isaiah. Ingersoll, the atheist, is a nobler moralist and a better man than Moses. Plato and Marcus Aurelius are wiser than Solomon. Sir Thomas More, Herbert Spencer, Thoreau, Matthew Arnold and Emerson are worth more to us than all the prophets. I hold a high opinion of the literary quality of some parts of the Old Testament, but I seriously think that the loss of the first fourteen books would be a distinct gain to the world. For the rest, there is considerable literary and some ethical value in Job, which is not Jewish, in Ecclesiastes, which is pagan, in the Song of Solomon, which is an erotic love song, 
and in parts of Isaiah, Proverbs, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Amos. But I don't think any of these books equal to Henry George's Progress and Poverty or William Morris's News from Nowhere. Of course, I'm not blaming Moses and the prophets. They could only tell us what they knew. The Ten Commandments have been effusively praised. There is nothing in those commandments to restrain the sweater, the rack-renter, the jerry-builder, the slum-landlord, the usurer, the liar, the libertine, the gambler, the drunkard, the wife-beater, the slave-owner, the religious persecutor, the maker of wheat and cotton rings, the fox-hunter, the bird-slayer, the ill-user of horses and dogs and cattle. There is nothing about cultivating towards all beings a bounteous, friendly mind, nothing about liberty of speech and conscience, nothing about the wrong of causing pain, nor the virtue of causing happiness, nothing against anger or revenge, nor in favour of mercy and forgiveness. Of the Ten Commandments, seven are designed as defences of the possessions and prerogatives of God and the property owner. As a moral code, the commandments amount to very little. Moreover, the Bible teaches erroneous theories of history, theology and science. It relates childish stories of impossible miracles as facts. It presents a low idea of God. It gives an erroneous account of the relations between God and man. It fosters international hatred. It fosters religious pride and fanaticism. Its penal code is horrible. Its texts have been used for nearly 2,000 years in defence of war, slavery, religious persecution and the slaughter of witches and of sorcerers. In a hundred wars, the Christian soldiers have perpetrated massacres and outrage with the blood-bolstered phrases of the Bible on their lips. In a thousand trials, the cruel witness of Moses has sent innocent women to a painful death. And always, when an apology or a defence of the barbarities of human slavery was needed, it was sought for and found in the Holy Bible. Renan says, quote, in all ancient Christian literature, there is not one word that tells the slave to revolt, or that tells the master to liberate the slave, or even that touches the problem of public right which arises out of slavery. End quote. Mr. Remsburg, in his book The Bible, shows that in America, slavery was defended by the churches on the authority of the sacred scriptures. He says, quote, The fugitive slave law, which made us a nation of kidnappers, derived its authority from the New Testament. Paul had established a precedent by returning a fugitive slave to his master. End quote. Mr. Remsburg quotes freely from the sermons and speeches of Christian ministers to show the influence of the Bible in upholding slavery. Here are some of his many examples. Quote, the Reverend Alexander Campbell wrote, There is not one verse in the Bible inhibiting slavery but many regulating it. It is not, then, we conclude, immoral. Said the Reverend Mr. Crawder, Methodist, of Virginia, Slavery is not only countenanced, permitted, and regulated by the Bible, but it was possibly instituted by God himself. End quote. I shall quote no more on the subject of slavery. 
that inhuman institution was defended by the churches, and the appeal of the churches was to the Bible. As to witchcraft, the Reverend T. Rhonda Williams says that in one century a hundred thousand women were killed for witchcraft in Germany. Mr. Remsburg offers still more terrible evidence. He says, quote, One thousand were burned at Como in one year. Eight hundred were burned at Würzburg in one year. Five hundred perished at Geneva in three months. Eighty were burned in a single village of Savoy. Nine women were burned in a single fire at Leith. Sixty were hanged in Suffolk. Three thousand were legally executed during one session of Parliament while thousands more were put to death by mobs. Remy, a Christian judge, executed 800. 600 were burned by one bishop at Bamberg. Bourgoud burned 600 at St. Cloud. Thousands were put to death by the Lutherans of Norway and Sweden. Catholic Spain butchered thousands. Presbyterians were responsible for the death of 4,000 in Scotland. 50,000 were sentenced to death during the reign of Francis I. 7,000 died at Treve. The number killed in Paris in a few months is declared to be almost infinite. Dr. Sprenger places the total number of executions for witchcraft in Europe at nine millions. For centuries, witchfires burned in nearly every town of Europe, and this Bible text, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, was the torch that kindled them. End quote count up the terrible losses in the many religious wars of the world, add in the massacres, the martyrdoms, the tortures for religion's sake, put to the sum the long tale of witchcraft murders, remember what slavery has been, and then ask yourself whether the book of books deserves all the eulogy that has been laid upon it. I believe that today all manner of evil passions are fostered, and all the fine emotions of the human spirit are retarded by the habit of reading those savage old books of the Jews as the word of God. I do not think the Bible, in its present form, is a fit book to place in the hands of children, and it certainly is not a fit book to send out for the salvation of savage and ignorant people. End of section 12